Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed by what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is in the field of aerospace engineering. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this show. When I first asked you and I told you it was anonymous, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I thought that was pretty interesting so people could be more honest and not really fear about anything that they were saying. Yeah. I think in my experience, um, some people have really wanted to have their identity revealed and other people have found it quite refreshing that they don't need to create this image of who they are through their achievements. Um, But you've had, I mean, to get to aerospace engineering must have taken quite a number of very complex steps. Can you run me through how you got to where you are today? Um, Yeah, when I was eight, I decided I wanted to be an astronaut. And then when I was in high school, I realized you don't go to college for astronauting. So I had to pick a major and most astronauts were aerospace engineers. So uh, I decided I was going to go for aerospace engineering. And what were the steps to sort of get there? Because I'm assuming maths is like really important. Yeah, I took as much math as I could in high school and also as much uh, physics as I possibly could. So I took regular honors physics and then AP physics. And when you were a kid, was it really obvious that you would be someone that would go into aerospace engineering? Um, Yeah, when I was a kid, I was always very much into space stuff. I enjoyed reading about it. And uh, I used to play space games all the time. I would pretend to be an astronaut, whether it was using a refrigerator box to make a spaceship, or we would go in the pool. And um, do you know what connects are? They're kind of like Legos. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So I would play spacewalk in the pool because astronauts trained in pools. So I would create structures underwater, just like the astronauts. So I think uh, everyone always knew that this was probably what I was going to do. That's so cool. Yeah, because I was always into Lego and just building like cities and stuff like that. So what piqued your interest in space? Was it like one defining moment? Yeah, when I was in second grade, they taught me about like the solar system. And I remember being like, why didn't anyone tell me about this for the first eight years of my life? (laughs) And then my parents were very nice and got me a bunch of books on space. And they told me like, the books told me like how many earths fit inside the sun. And that blew my mind. And then I saw a picture of, um, Beetlejuice next to the sun and the sun was just a speck and I was just like how is the universe this big and strange and I was hooked ever since. What's it been like um, going through this journey? Has it been hard or does it come naturally to you? Um, it's definitely been hard from like um, the the point of learning and becoming an engineer. Um, some people I think can they assume that you're smart because you're an aerospace engineer. And I think it's more that I work really hard. Um, It doesn't always come very easily to me. I used to go to tutoring sessions and I spent a lot of time in the third floor of the library. And um, sometimes when people just are like, oh, you must be so smart. I'm like, well, I, you know, I put a lot of effort into it too. It's not just being smart. And like when it was hard, what kept you going? Um, In college, what kept me going was I also was a part of a a rocketry group. And then I got to see like, oh, yeah, this is how you apply the things in school to 
actual things that are probably fun and enjoyable and realistic. And I think that's always helped being able to apply what you're doing to a project. Yeah, that's why I'm such a fan of like after school groups and stuff, because it's kind of like the teachers relax, you can fail, you can get messy. How important was that those kinds of uh, perspectives? I think you you hit on a really important point, the point of like being able to fail Um, because you only get one chance in school. Like I remember I calculated in certain classes, one question on one test was a whole letter grade. So if you got that one question wrong, like that was, you went from an A to a B uh, and you only get one chance to do it. So I always liked working on projects where when you fail, you kind of do it again. So like we had a, a hybrid motor that we just couldn't figure out how to do. And we, you know, we failed and kept trying and kept changing it until it eventually kind of worked uh, enough for us. So that's why I really like projects because you you have the ability to fail and then keep trying. Would you say that engineering is all about that? Definitely. Um, I don't think anyone ever gets it right the first time, especially since there are so many uh, unknowns that you're always dealing with. And that's why you have to do so much testing uh, because even when you model stuff, there's... Um, there's only so many things you can model and your boundary conditions that you set. And there's always going to be something you didn't account for. So I really think you always have to keep testing and figuring out new ways to do things. Right. Yeah. I mean, in my experience of engineering as well, like it's been all about experimentation, asking questions, um, exploring answers. Um, how has it been being a woman in that kind of uh, mindset? Um, I think the hardest part is usually I am the only woman in a group. Um, in the rocketry club, I was the only woman. Um, my school was mostly male. And I think pretty much in every group I've ever worked in, um, I've been maybe one of two women. And I think the hardest part is that you, at least I always fear that I am not representing just me, but like all women, like uh, the next one that might come into my position. So I'm always afraid that if I do something wrong or say something wrong or seem, you know, dumb, then they're going to like, not be like, oh, she is dumb. They're going to apply it more broadly. And whether or not that's true, I don't know, but that's kind of the pressure that I feel on myself. That is a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Um, where does that come from? I just think since there are so few of us out there, and to be honest, most of the men that I have worked with have been awesome um, and very supportive. Uh, they've put me in many leadership roles over the uh, many positions I've worked at, but I think it's just this underlying fear um, that maybe you just hear somebody joke about something or whatever, that maybe I'm, uh, I'm representing more than just myself since there's so few of us. I mean, are there like very distinct differences between you as a female and men, or do you think, um, your differences are just personal to you? Um, I think maybe just personal to me. I think it's probably harder because I haven't seen a lot of other women in the groups to be like, you know, this is how maybe women act versus men maybe Mm, um so it's hard for me to know if it's just how i act or like a difference in maybe genders it's so interesting that you're saying that because um i also was in mechanical engineering a heavily male dominated environment and i thought my differences to my peers was really personal and so i went through my career just thinking that i was just different and through doing this podcast i'm realizing that a lot of the women I talk to across different STEM fields are very similar. Um, and one of the similarities is that we are afraid to appear incapable in front of our peers, and usually our peers are men. So um, have you been aware of that? Yeah, I think starting probably in college, since, I, like I said, my college is 85% male, Um, that was the first time that I kind of noticed there was a difference. Sometimes in high school classes had differences, but I didn't really notice it too much till college. And that's when I also saw a difference. Like, um, I liked space stuff a lot more and that's what I focused on growing up. And a lot of the other people there had been people that always knew they were going to be engineers. So they had the, they took stuff apart. 
like when they were younger, which I never did. I always thought if I take it apart, it's going to break. And what if I can't put it back together and then, you know, I get in trouble or whatever. Um, and these, a lot of these uh, men had, you know, taken things apart when they were younger and they knew a lot more about like electronics or hardware or whatever. And I always felt like maybe I was a little bit behind. And th I think that's when I started to feel more nervous about um, asking questions that maybe I should know the answer to. But I, I would say that's probably one of my biggest regrets. Like the earlier you start asking questions, uh, the better. Because this is not the first time I'm hearing um, a woman say that. Um, this fear of looking incapable or the fear of getting the answer wrong has often silenced women. Have you had to overcome it? And if you have overcome it, like what were your strategies? I think I overcome it all the time still. I think it's still that imposter syndrome. Um, and I have a lot of people that uh, support me. Like um, when I was given the opportunity to be promoted at work and into a lead position, I didn't, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm capable of doing this. And one of the the men I was working with was like, you're already doing this job. You already do all the stuff for it. You just don't have the title or the pay grade or any of that. Um, so having kind of like a support system has always helped. And then noticing that that's something that I do and trying to push myself even more. And the support that you have received, like you said that it, you haven't really been able to relate to other women because they just don't exist in your field. So what kind of support have you sought out? Um, just, I guess, similar friends. And there have been some women in the field, and um, I've looked up to them as role models. Um, they weren't always in my group. They might have been in other groups. So uh, I would go to them. Or a lot of workplaces are really great. They uh, set up mentorship programs or women's group, and there are things like the Society of Women Engineers that uh, are put in place. So places like that have also helped just being able to go talk to somebody. Um, so those those things have helped too. And how has the support been? Like, I mean, literally, I think there are some girls out there that are too afraid to ask for help. Um, what has been helpful to you in terms of role models? I mean, like specifically, what do you, what do you look for in a role model? Um, someone that I can definitely talk to uh, and feel comfortable around, which kind of takes a while. So sometimes I'll kind of be more like friends with that person. Um, someone that I can kind of express any fears that I'm having. Um, and uh, some of the role models I've had were kind of like positions that I wanted to be one day. So I kind of asked for help and mentorship from from those people. If I knew that was like a, a job that I would like to have one day, um, I would ask them questions about what it was like um, so I'd have a better idea. And they're not necessarily female, are they, um, your role models? Uh, no, it's definitely a mix. I'm really interested to get into the nitty gritty of any kind of obstacles that have stood in your way. How far along in your career are you, first of all? Well, I've jumped around a lot. Um, it's been... it's over a decade just over a decade of um in into the aerospace world okay and are you still in academia or are you um working um right now i'm doing more educational outreach um but uh, i never really did ac like academia as much uh i've always been in in the workplace even when I was getting um, a second degree, I was working full time at the same time. And and why did you choose to go down that uh, route? Um, mostly because I like to work on things. So I thought academia would be more theoretical and I wanted a more hands-on uh, experience. Oh, I have a, a master's degree in aerospace engineering. And so are you done with studying then and you're now wanting to be in the working world? Yeah, um, I, I got my undergrad and I co-opt. Um, and so when I was getting my undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering, I wanted to get some work experience. So I applied to a bunch of different internships and by a bunch, I mean, anything that I could find with Boeing, Lockheed and a bunch of other companies. And then I ended up, um, getting an internship 
down at Kennedy Space Center and I started working on the space shuttles while I was still an undergrad. And then when I graduated, they gave me a full-time position and then I went for my master's degree while still working down at Kennedy. Wow. And how was that experience? What was it like? Um, That was definitely my all-time favorite job uh, because I got to work with a bunch of great people and I got to work actually inside of the space shuttles. So that was very thrilling for me. And you got to see your results pretty quickly within like a year, um, you know, this shuttle would launch again and we were working on all of them. So um, it was a pretty quick turnaround and it was, it was amazing. I can literally hear the excitement in your voice when you talk about the work you've done. Um, and I kind of gives me goosebumps because I really get a sense from you that you are doing what you love. Yeah. And, um, even, I mean, every job is a little bit frustrating, but I, I would remember I would come out and I've worked all shifts first, second, and third, and you come out from like a really long day and, uh, our cars were parked right near the vehicle assembly building, like that giant building that they, uh, construct spaceships in. And so every day when I would leave, I'd be like, oh yeah. I'm working on space stuff. Like this is a good life. And I'll get in my car and then drive home and whatever, you know, uh, conflict we had during the day. I was just like, you get to do something totally awesome. Like just forget about it and then come back tomorrow. Did you ever think your life would turn out like this? Like, I don't know, as a kid, I always thought that jobs had to be hard and a struggle and, like you wouldn't really be doing what you want to do, you know, you go to work at nine and leave at five and just be very trapped. Like that's what I thought work was. What was your idea of work? This is exactly what I hoped for, um, was working on spacecraft or something in the space industry. Uh, I didn't think I would get it right out of college. So that was a surprise, but yeah, it was, it was definitely an amazing experience. And what I hoped it would be when I was a kid. And you said you jumped around a lot. Um, what, what does that mean? Um, I've worked uh, different places after there for government, for startups, um, different places in different states, just trying to find something that I liked uh, as much as that. Most of the ones I've found afterwards uh, haven't been hands-on, even when they um, might have implied that in the job description or interview. Uh, I'm not really a fan of sitting behind a desk all day. And in terms of kind of being female, like, have you come across any major disadvantages? Um, I guess my my biggest story was because I was fresh out of college and I was the only female, sometimes at work, uh, since I was a lead for the group I was in, I would talk to the technicians, most of whom were just amazing. But there are a handful of them that were a little bit older and were kind of set in their ways, and I don't think wanted to hear how to fix something from a younger female. And so I would give them instructions, and then they would call my manager and ask for a different way to solve the same problem that they thought might be better or a little bit easier. And my manager would tell them that was okay. And so I had to, and this was tough for me because I'm very much an introvert and don't like conflict, but I sat down with my manager and explained this to him. And he is, he was a great guy. Um, he had two daughters and he was always telling me how he was encouraging them to do, you know, anything they wanted. And I feel like he just didn't get it in his mind that there were other people that thought this way. Uh, so once I pointed that out to him, he was like, Oh, well, thank you for letting me know. And I will work on that. So, uh, when we would be on the same page. So whatever repair I said was the right one, he would also back me up. That is such courage to actually have sat down and said, hey, this is what's happening. I think part of it was um, he made it that kind of environment. He made it like an open door, come talk to me kind of thing. Uh, And if he hadn't, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do that. So um, I'm very thankful that he made it that kind of working environment. So has that shaped you? Like, do you take these learned attitudes to to work now? I think one of the harder parts for me is because I work in places that, you know, have like, I've worked like in military places and stuff and they have like their shop talk. Um, if you know what I'm like, it's just more jokey and less professional mm. and like trying to, 
balance the line between where are they joking and when is it too far? Uh, and then how do you handle that? I think is probably the hardest thing. Uh, and I just kind of play it by ear because sometimes uh, the person is joking and you don't want to make them defensive, but sometimes you just kind of want to be like, do you, did you really think about that before you said it? And you can't do that all the time. So it's like a slow turning towards let's be aware of what we're saying without like shutting down the conversation or making everyone feel uncomfortable. I, I don't have a solution for that yet, but that is a thing that I've been working on probably my whole career. Do you think men have to consider these things in the same way that women do? Or, or, or consider the jokiness? No, probably not as much because there's more of them, I think. Um, I'm sure women say some things that aren't the greatest either, but I think it's because there's more of them and they're just in the jokier shop attitude. And maybe it's that kind of, I mean, because there's a greater number, they are supported by each other so they can kind of um, encourage that kind of banter, whereas you're kind of solitary. Yeah. And some of them will call the other ones out on it too. I do think it's changing, but slowly, and it's like a tricky thing. Like you, you don't want to just like make everyone defensive all the time. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't found a solution for it yet. It's like more of a case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. Learn as you do. Why do you think it is changing? Um, because I think more women are entering and just society as a whole is probably changing a little bit. Mm. In what ways? Um, I feel like I usually got more, the, the younger, the generation, the more respect I probably got from them. Or maybe it was just because I was closer in age and not as young. I'm not sure why exactly it's changing. I just think as a society, we're noticing the things that we've done wrong in general before and trying to make it a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, what I'm finding is that, um, people are gaining confidence to express fully who they are. There's less of people apologize less for being different. Um, and I think it's filtering down, particularly in STEM industries where women are saying, you know what, I enjoy STEM, I'm um, good at it, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Have you seen that kind of attitude change um, in the time you've been in STEM? Um, yeah, I think I'm seeing more and more probably females take higher up roles uh, the longer I'm in STEM. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I asked this question in all interviews. Um, what does having it all mean to you? I have no idea. Um, I guess just working in a job that I like and having good family and friends. As a woman, we can do a lot of things. We can have a family. We can give birth to new life and we can um, also be badass women in STEM and have successful careers. We can do it all. But do you think it's possible? I mean, first of all, do you feel that you have it all at, at this stage in your career? Um, no, I think I'm still figuring it out. I think it's more about how having a good balance of what do you want in your life? Do you like... I think you can have a good job and then you can also have a family life and life with your friends. Um, I think it depends on what you want to do. Like the first job I had with working on the shuttle, there were times that you would work, um, you know, 12 hour days and we would rotate shifts and you'd have second or third shift. And it was, it's hard to have a family when you do something like that. But I saw a lot of people that worked it out. Like um, if you just have a partner, that's willing to be flexible with you. Um, and it's really hard for another example that uh, is for people that work at JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, they're on Mars time and Mars time slowly drifts. So sometimes their whole family schedule has to slowly drift according to the days on Mars. So I think if you are- Literally. Yeah, literally. It slowly shifts <laughs> um, when your working hours are. And I've heard of families like- you know, the get up and have parties in the middle of the night for birthdays or whatever, because that's like when the person's awake. Um, so I think it's more about 
being upfront with what you want and finding people in your life that are willing and capable to support you with that. Um, and luckily I do have those kind of people in my life, Mm. um, that were okay with me moving very far away to Florida or, uh, hopping around to the different States I've been in and they've been extremely supportive. That's so cool because when I was studying engineering, like I was just focused on getting my PhD. And then after that, I really wanted to kind of go wild and just get my life back because it was all about studying. Um, But when I actually qualified, I was like, you know what, I've studied so much that I really just want to get a good job. And um, it was just one goal after the other. And I never really stopped to think, hey, what do I want? my life to look like um because it was always so goal oriented um and I don't know whether I'd love to hear your views on this but I wonder whether so much is expected of us as women that often we lose sight of the bigger picture I know I've definitely been very goal oriented too like you need to hit the things in your checklist like you got to go to school you got to get good grades then you got to get into your job and then you got to do really well and then you get your promotion and like this whole like track that i've always um envisioned and i do sometimes get too like too much blinders on and just charge ahead um and do have to sometimes like take a step back um and personally trying to set up like some kind of structure in my life to remember to also take care of the others in my life or just hang out with them. Um, and I'm very glad, uh, that certain social medias came up at the time I was going to college so I could stay in contact with this. I still have the same friends from elementary school. Um, and now I try and build in more structures now that I've kind of looked back and been like, okay, like, do I want to have a more balanced life? And like, I try and spend, you know, one night a week going over to my best friend's house and hanging out with my goddaughter, stuff like that. Uh, that just I try and build that into my schedule now to make sure that I don't ignore that part of my life. Mm, yeah. So what is the typical life of an aerospace engineer? Um, I don't know if there's a typical one because there's so there's so many different things you can do. Um, there have been, like, when I worked down at Kennedy, it was all over the place with um, different schedules and you just kind of whatever is the most urgent thing that you need to do, um, that goes to the top of your priority list. Uh, whichever shuttle's about to fly, that one's got the top priority. Um, then I've gone to like a startup, and that is just every day is a new thing, and you come in and you figure out um, what is the next task that's going to get you to that goal. I've worked for the military, uh, and that was like longer-term research, so it was just chipping away at um, trying to figure out certain certain things in certain research studies to see if they were feasible. And that was the most nine to five job I've ever had, which you just come in, you do your thing and then you go. Uh, but most of the other jobs they've had had been like more erratic schedules and more um, flexibility. And, and what is it about you and your personality traits that make you perfect for the job that you're doing? Uh, I really like to learn. Um, I think that's an important part. Uh, and I've always wanted to be like the expert at something, but I don't think I'm ever going to be that. Like, that is another thing I had to realize what kind of environments do I want to work in and what are my strengths? Uh, I like group environments and not just sit at your desk alone. So I like to be able to work on something and then go talk to people about it and then go back to working on it. And I've also figured out I'm not the expert in anything, but I'm much better at looking at like the broader scope of everything. Uh, like with the shuttle, if uh, one of our things broke, I was the person in the group that would be like, okay, this is also going to affect all these other systems. Um, while everyone else was trying to figure out, you know, how do we fix this? I'd be like, we need to contact all these other systems and tell them this is the problem and this is what's going to happen to them. So those are some of the, the strengths and things I've noticed that I, I, uh, I like working with. Wow. I love the fact that you love learning. Um, because maybe one of the problems that girls in STEM face is when it starts to get hard, particularly in maths and physics. Um, 
there can be sort of like a bit of a wall that we hit. Um, and I think girls go through a process of kind of asking themselves, shall I just not struggle <laughs> and maybe just choose the arts or just something different that isn't STEM? Um, did you hit that wall and how did you push past it? I hit that wall constantly in college, um, wanting, wondering if I was smart enough to do it, if I was going to make it through the program. Um, and I think knowing what I wanted to do was what got me through, knowing that I wanted to work on something to do with the space industry or some kind of engineering um, is like that I knew that was going to be what made me the happiest if I could get there. And then also having the outside projects that I worked on. Um, I think those were probably the two things because even when maybe I didn't understand a problem in a book, then I could go build something and be like, oh, well, at least I accomplished this. So it was like little wins along the way instead of just waiting for your big win at the end with a diploma and then hoping you get a job. Um, I think that really helped me out a lot. You sound so focused on STEM related things. Um, do you ever, do you do things that are like completely not STEM? Uh, sometimes I write like short stories. Um, I like to go for like hikes in the woods, um, especially like any outdoor stuff. Um, I like to dabble in archery some. I think those are some of the things that I enjoy to do in my free time and hanging out with friends and my goddaughter are also some of my favorite things to do. Were you ever put off by the stereotypes of astronauts? Did you ever think, you know what, I don't look like a typical astronaut, so maybe I shouldn't bother? Uh, surprisingly, no. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I was just like, this is what I want to do, and that's what I'm going to go do. And in my mind, it was like, Maybe the Mercury astronauts were all men, but that's going to change by the time I get there. And I remember thinking, I hope when I get there and I get to go to Mars, that I'm not the first woman on Mars. I'm just the first person on Mars. I remember thinking that in middle school. Wow. Yeah, because one of the things that I come across is that um, this debate about gender inequality in STEM is kind of boring. You know, people are like, why do we keep talking about men and women? Like, why can't we just talk about passion for STEM and interest, you know? Um, what are your views on that? So I've thought about this a lot. And the way, the best example I think I can think of is like, if you had a greenhouse and you put some plants in the sun and you gave them water and soil, and those are like, kind of like the men with STEM right now. And there are other plants in there in the corner and they're in the dark. And it's not that we like don't want men in STEM. It's like we haven't nurtured the the all the plants, so we're just trying to like take them out and give them some more sunlight and some more water, so like we have a fuller garden of people. I know that's a weird analogy, but that was like the best way I could kind of think about it because I feel like some people think we don't want men in STEM, and that's totally not it. It's more that we want to make sure that everyone believes that they are capable, no matter you know gender, race, um, ability, anything. Like, if this is the thing that you love, this is what we want you to do. And that's what I usually, like, I do a lot of STEM outreach, and that's more what I'm going for. Like, we don't all have to be scientists and engineers, but I want you to get the joy out of it that I have. Like, I, I mean, one of my favorite moments in my life is standing on the launch pad with a shuttle on one end, and there's, like, Kepler space telescope on another launch pad. And, I mean... The just pure joy I got at that moment. That's what I want others to have. So I don't care what your your background is. I want you to know that you can have this love, whether it's a job or if you just want to make like cool projects at home and just have the belief that you are actually capable of doing it. It's not all geniuses that are out here doing STEM. It's everybody. Before there were, you know, professions scientists were just people that tinkered in their backyards the first radio telescope was some guy that made it in his backyard and started surveying the night sky it wasn't a professional astronomer so i mean i think that's what i try and get across to people yeah gosh i feel like my eyes are welling up <laughs> because i think what's lost particularly in the educational system is um 
curiosity and wonder for the world around us. Um, we have to, students have to study so much and um, achieve so much that they're losing sight or they're not actually shown why they're learning this stuff. Yeah, and they're not being allowed to fail. Um, I, I've gone to a lot of schools and I'll, done a lot of um, outreach and I'll do like an egg drop or um, a toothpick bridge, like a robotics, like a bunch of different things. And I'll just say like, build me this to meet these requirements. And uh, a teacher said that she had some students that broke down and cried. They were like A plus students because they were used to getting like a checklist and not used to trying to have to figure out on their own, like what to do. And it was too much for them. And they like had a little breakdown. And I was like that we were in middle school, like this is terrible. What can we do to move the needle on um, girls' perception of being in STEM? Oh, hands-on projects, I think, are pretty helpful because when I was going around, um, every, I mean, I've, I've been to schools all around the country and every place I went to, sadly, it seemed to be the same kind of thing where I would ask the boys, do you think like your egg is going to survive the fall or do you think your bridge is going to hold the most water? And they, like, I would say the majority of them were like, yes, definitely. And almost no girls ever told me Yes. And I remember like asking this one girl and she couldn't even look me in the eyes. She had built this project and she just gave it to me. And I was like, do you think it's going to succeed? And she just shrugged and looked at her shoes and I took it to the highest ladder and I dropped it off and it succeeded. And she just like lit up and you could just tell like she was changed. Like she thought I can build this thing. I can do it. And there were other teachers that told me the same thing with the eggs and the bridges that they just saw that girls completely changed once they realized they could actually do this. So it sounds like self-belief is what's getting in the way of women being in STEM and going all the way in STEM. What's been your journey with self-belief? Um, I think I started out believing more when I was younger and probably like most people, as you get older, kind of you question yourself more like, am I capable of doing this? Um, I think that's what kept me going a lot when I was younger was just like, of course, like, this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to try my hardest and everything will be okay. Um, I, th I think what keeps me going is just the love of learning about space and doing stuff with space and hoping that my abilities also catch up to that love. Um, which I don't know if that's the, the right answer, but I think that's kind of what keeps me going through. Oh, I just, I just love that. The idea of kind of setting your own goals, but not in a condemning way, but in a really sort of striving to be your best kind of way. What advice would you have for young girls who maybe have a total fascination um, for something in STEM, the way you had a fascination for space, um, but just don't believe that they can, that they have what it takes to set up a career in it um luckily these days you can also like i think when i was younger you could go to ask an astronaut or something but i think you can reach out to people that are in stem and kind of like ask them questions um and kind of get advice that way um and i think for me just remembering how much i i love what I'm learning about or doing and that it's going to be worth it was the most helpful because when I doubted myself was not usually when I was like alone learning something and reading. It was usually when I was taking a test or like around others. So remembering um, that kind of thing, the, the love of what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, I would also suggest that don't be afraid to ask questions to people and reach out for help. Mm. Yeah, because I think in terms of receiving support and help, um, we do tend to sort of turn to our immediate sort of caregivers, family, parents, friends. Um, but being women in STEM is, is quite a lonely road, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I did those experiments in the pool when I was little, uh, but none of my friends wanted to do that. Uh, none of my family wanted to do that. Like that was just me doing my own thing. Um, so definitely in that way, it was kind of lonely that nobody shared the same love of it as I did. 
Um, but nobody at the same time, nobody like judged me for it either. Like my friends were like, Oh my gosh, you're such a nerd. Like don't sit with us kind of thing. They're just like, you know, that's part of who you are and that's cool. Uh, so, uh, I think that was probably the lonely part growing up. And then when you get to school, you find people that also love the same thing you do, but then it's a little bit scarier because you're like, but do they know this better than I do? Uh, so that it kind of changes into the imposter syndrome kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds like you weren't exposed to a lot of judgment for being kind of different or unusual or uh, in a minority. Not for not for really my love of like science and space stuff, but at the same time, I also love sports a lot and I loved football. And that I did get a lot of uh, judgment and ridicule and stuff for from uh, the boys that I was playing like intramural football with. That was when I learned that we, you know, people didn't see genders as the same, which I understand like is a little bit different in football, but it just, I don't know. That was when I learned some hard lessons. What were the lessons? Uh, Like it didn't matter how hard you proved yourself sometimes, they're still not going to pass you the ball. Uh, cause I, it was flag football and I could catch the ball and they would still tackle me and I would hold on to the ball and I got a couple of touchdowns and I just remember it was the last game and the last few minutes. And I was just like standing out all by myself at the field, but they refused to throw it to me. And I know it was cause I was a girl cause they told me it. Uh, and we lost the game because they refused to throw to a girl cause there was only one guy that would throw to me. And if anyone else was quarterback, then, uh, I was out of luck. Oh, God, that just sounds like my engineering career. <laughs> so did you not have a similar experience um, in aerospace engineering then? I mean, little things here and there. I think I try and forget most of them just to, you know, keep going where people would make, you know, little snide remarks here and there. But for the most part, I think it was pretty, pretty good. I think one of the things that stuck with me was uh, like sometimes people would make digs like, you're going to get this job because, you know, you're a woman and they have to meet like a quota. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got that a couple of times and that hurt me at first. But then I was like, then I got there and then I got promoted to the highest position you can get to before, you know, X years of experience uh, to a manager. And I was like, well, maybe I got it because of that. But then you prove yourself there. Um, but that used to bother me, but it doesn't bother me anymore. It sounds like it drove you more to achieve more. Yeah, just kind of, to kind of like prove them wrong. Like maybe that's why I got in, but that's not why I'm staying here. And that's not why I'm going to make it even farther. Mm. I have two questions um, about your football interest. Um, first of all, how far did you get in your football career? And secondly, what were the fundamental differences between your experiences in football Okay, first of all, first question. What happened to your football career? Um, I went to high school and then had to do AP like physics and stuff, so I did not do football anymore. But in middle school, the two things I said I wanted to be were an astronaut and a football player, which <laughs> were very lofty goals. Uh, but I picked going to engineering instead of trying football. I think I just wanted to be like a wide receiver, or I heard that like there were girls that were field goal kickers, so maybe I wanted to do that. I tried that for a while. I remember practicing field goal kicking in the backyard and being like, this is rather boring. Uh, and then went back to like playing other things. Um, so it didn't go too far, but I've always had the same love. Even I've done um, intramural football. I did that in high school and I did it in college, but nothing like no like official teams or anything. So do you think your kind of your journey in football um, was somehow influenced by the way you were treated as being a girl? Um, maybe. Maybe if I had more support, maybe I would have done more. I'm not sure because there, I guess there aren't, I mean, there aren't very many women that play football. Uh, the only ones I knew were kickers. But I think I also had to make a choice at one point was like, do you want to do like sports things and try really – both of those are really hard paths. So I had to pick one and I think I picked the better one uh, to begin an engineer instead. But I, I, every step of the way though, from I started playing like 
um, group football in elementary school and I played it all the way through college, like intramural stuff. And it was the same every single time. Like I got told things like, do you want to win or do you want to play? And what was your answer? Uh, I want to play. And then I would go on the field. <laughs> I mean, what, what made you choose engineering when the choice was football or engineering? Uh, I think I just loved it more. Like football never seemed like a career. It was just like a thing I wanted to do. Mm. So it was just like a, a side thing. And I think in both cases, it was like things that I loved enough to push through my introvertness and my uh, not wanting conflict to be able to do the thing. You, you describe yourself as being an introvert, but it sounds like you do a lot to speak to women and girls who are thinking about careers in STEM. How do you deal with your introversion? I also, from elementary school through high school, ran for office pretty much every year and lost every single time. Uh, and that's because I am was a terrible public speaker. I used to like shake when giving speeches. Uh, and then uh, I was wrote a speech and a teacher saw it and uh, I was nominated voice of the senior class and I gave uh, I had practiced it a lot and I just it was the end of high school and I was like whatever like if this goes poorly I'm not gonna see these people again uh, and it went really really well uh, I got like a lot of applause and laughter and people that I hadn't talked to like in years and teachers and parents came up to me and just told me how good it was. And I think that was like the boost I needed to be more confident in public speaking. And then I slowly started to do more and more of that. Uh, I did some more of that when I was in college and I had to head up that rocketry group and we needed funding. So I had to go give pitches and I really understood what I was talking about when I was doing that. Like, um, and I think that helped too. like knowing the subject matter. It's harder when you're doing an election and you're trying to get somebody to you know, agree to vote for you or if you're in class and you're being graded and you're like, well, I know the teacher knows more than me and they're just going to pick apart everything I'm saying. It's, I think it's easier, one, when you know the subject matter and two, when like you're really excited about it. Like I love going and teaching kids like about STEM. Um, it's, you get to be the cool person that comes in and does like awesome projects with them for a day. Yeah, and it sounds like you have really embraced this idea of knowledge being power. Yeah, I um, I gave some talks. Um, I was part of the NASA Speakers Bureau, and I gave some talks locally, and I saw what a difference it made there. Like, there was a group of um, girls, I think there was like 15 or 20 of them, and I just gave an hour of my day up, and I went and I talked to them, and they were in high school, and the teacher um, emailed me afterwards and was like, before you came and talked, one of them thought, maybe I could be an engineer. And after you came and talked, there's now like five of them that are like, well, maybe I could be an engineer. And I was like, that was just an hour of my life. And like, that's what happened. Uh, so it made me want to go to other places beyond like where there was a NASA center and try and talk and, you know, give people the idea that, you know, they were probably capable of doing whatever it is that they, they found enjoyable. Mm. And and what's what are your aspirations for the future? Um, I think to do more stuff like that, uh, where I get more people to, to believe that they are capable of understanding science and engineering. Why is it important to you that other people are exposed to the passion you have for STEM? I think maybe just because of that day, like doing things like that, where just giving up a little bit of your time can really make a difference for somebody. And I don't think they have to, you know, change their whole life, but sometimes it does. Like there was one astronaut said that he gave a talk and he thought the entire like auditorium was asleep pretty much. And then a couple of years later, a, a woman came up to him and was like, because you came and talked at our school, I became a doctor. And to me, that's just very powerful that you could just give up a little bit of your time and change somebody's life um, is is a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, do you th did you have anything like that when you were young? Um, I think just maybe family members that were pretty encouraging. Like mm, my parents didn't mind that I played football. You know, they came to my football games. They were never discouraging of that. Um, I had a great uncle that would come over and he would make like 
math puzzles for me and he would make it fun. I just think making education fun was probably a pretty big thing that helped me. I don't know if there's any one person that came and talked and was like, this is, you know, this is the moment that sparked it. Yeah. I mean, from talking to you, I really hear that you've had a lot of encouragement and support um, from people close to you uh, through your career. But what really strikes me is just how much you have paved your own way. And you seem to have been driven mostly by just your pure passion and interest of space. Yeah, that seems to have been the driving factor. Yeah, and um, I definitely have struggled. I There have been one or two classes that I didn't do well in. And even when I was doing my master's, um, there I only, I think, had time to take one class in the first semester. Um, and you had to have a B average to stay in the master's program. And um, I didn't do well on my first test because um, I didn't have an equation for some unit conversion. So I didn't get points for the first question because I had to convert units. Uh, something just as simple as that. And I ended up getting a C in that class. And then I had to write a letter explaining like why I should stay in the master's program. And that was hard for me, for sure. Like questioning, should I stay in the master's program? And I just really... It was something that I really wanted to do and learn. So, um, Is that what you wrote in your letter? Uh, I wrote that. And I also wrote that I was, uh, all the things I was doing at work um, at the same time as doing this. Like it wasn't just like I was in this one class and that was all I was doing because that would seem pretty bad. But <laughs> I was also doing like a full-time job. And I think we had a lot of issues at work at the time. So I think I was working like, 50 to 60 hour weeks. So um, just explaining that to them helped a lot. I've got to see because I'm so deeply immersed in my passion for this subject. And that's why why the grade was what it was. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, It's just been so amazing talking to you. I feel like I want to just follow you around for a few weeks because your (laughs) life, just uh, things you're doing is just so... um, kind of cutting edge and just on the forefront of technological advancement and I don't know the fact that you get to do that as your day job is just incredible thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much for having me you're very welcome um so are you gonna go to space what's the plan I do not think I'm gonna probably end up going to space I did apply um and you usually have to go through Technically, what I've read is you usually apply three times before you get an interview. And then even when you get an interview, most people, it's like a week or two week long interview. You go out and do that and they usually reject you after your first time. And it's the time after that, that maybe you'll get in because they want to make sure that you're like really serious about this. Well, it's pretty amazing having you here on Earth to inspire young girls and women into following their passion and believing in themselves. Thank you all for listening this week. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Catch you next week on Silence.